Well, what were some of your first experiences in Marshalline or something? Well, I remember when Debbie Debbie here was H and H Highway, and that was many years ago. It was just a blaze trail from coast to coast. They tell me, and. It had a sign down here on the corner of Debbie Debbie and ZZ now that had an H and H sign on it. And when I was a pretty small boy, I, I used to see to watch the covered wagon go by once in a while. One time I was down there and the man stopped and the covered wagon and he said, "Say, boy." Is that a town over that away? And I was hanging on the fence and I said, yeah, two and a half miles. I knew that it was two and a half miles because I'd heard my mother talk about she could drive the buggy horse <laughs> over there in 15 minutes and it was two miles and a half. So that was, that was before they even had number 88, I mean number eight up here on the, Brooklyn, and I seen a, a piece in the paper here several years ago where they thought that was the first highway, but this down here was, was just the Blaze Trail before then. Yeah. And along about that that time, why, of course, my dad had, had already died and died before I was born, but, but my uncle was staying with me and with all of us, of course, and uh, they thought a hog was gone. So they, my uncle said I could go with him and we'd look for the hog. It was getting kind of late. Sun was about down already before we got very far. So we looked all around over here in the field and we come back out here right in front of the house now where we live. And and he said, now can you, uh, can you go home? Well, it was just down the, down the road a little ways, about a half a mile or I know that. I can go down there and steady him watching me to see that I got on by Mr. Mayher's gate. Why, he went on, I think, a girlin'. So I, I got down there at the gate and I thought, well, I got time to stop and see see Jim and Corey a little bit before I go on home. And I was probably about maybe four years old. And so I stopped in and it got dark while I was there. So to make me brave, they give me a pocket full of English walnuts to take home with me. And so I thought, boy, I got my hand on them walnuts and I was going down the road. And that time he was getting pretty dark and and he, you can see these big trees down here on this bluff they was just big enough to shine up over the hill and top of them to dark there below and it looked just like the sails on a on a ship and i thought oh oh there's the mayflower well I, it really didn't scare me but i didn't i didn't lose no time i went on home <laughs> When I got home, they, they thought I was just joking about me coming home by myself. But 
they discovered after my uncle didn't show up until after bedtime why they knew I'd come home by, by myself. <laughs> You know, we talk about kids are getting bored now. You know, when I was a boy, I didn't I didn't know anything about bored. I had never heard the word about a word of getting bored about anything because whenever I uh, seemed like I didn't run out of anything to do, why my mom would send me to help somebody or do something. We had a cattle on the 40 of a mile north and she told me you get you a little sack of salt and take up to them cows and I said well I can't carry enough salt to salt them cows and oh she said just take what you can carry well I realized afterwards that all that was for was to, was to keep me from getting bored <laughs> Even though I knew what board was or not, but I'd go up through the field and let me go let me up there by myself and I she'd tell me to count the cows, but I couldn't count them cows. I didn't know how many cows was there or anything about it. And we'd often walk down the the grandpa's was only about three miles and a half around the road and three or four. Well, that wasn't too bad and I remember one time going down there and and he said, well, let's, let's make some apple cider. Well, what's apple cider? Well, we got the mill out, which was to put the apples, drop the apples in the hopper and grind them through and smash them up and then they run down in this kind of a bucket of a thing made out of wood and smash the juice all out of them. <laughs> and I said, now what do we do to it? Well, I said, that's all of it. That's that. <laughs> so, <laughs> but it was, it was a great thing to, to see. First then my mother died then when I was 15 and time was Times it hard to buy gasoline for about two gallons for a quarter, and we wore wash and wear clothes like they talk about now. Only the reason why we called them wash and wear they'd wash them and then put them back on because that's all we had to, to wear. You want to shut that thing off and rest a little bit? So what kind of entertainment did you have back then? Well, the best entertainment we had was what they call the medicine show. They'd have it over there in a vacant lot on Main Street and and all of us kids and some grown people too would we'd gang up there and they had us somebody'd come to town and maybe could pick a guitar or make a little music and sing and and then they'd They'd sell things, and I remember one thing that that they really sold, and that's so that was soap. They'd have a bar of soap. I remember it was all kind of grayish looking, and oh, they could soap it up and rub it on your arm, and it'd dry up, and you didn't have to wash it off till the next day or two, and then you could wet it and wash it. Well, I'd I'd get me a cake of that, and I'd bring it home and 
I'd hide it around for a day or two, but I just couldn't keep it hid because I wanted to show that soap. My mother would say, well, you can get any kind of soap. It'll <laughs> do that. It'll dry up. But I, they told that man, said how wonderful it was, and clean your hands, and oh boy, it just was wonderful. And, well, um, mother always wanted to keep us busy, it seemed like. And Mr. and Mr. Mayhair lived over here across the road here, and I thought they was getting old, but they wasn't so old. But she'd see him getting hay out in the field and stack to bring in to put in the barn, and the barn wouldn't hold with about a good load. She'd say, why don't you go up and help Mr. Mayhair put that hay in the barn? Well, I wasn't was probably about six, seven years old, but I was big enough that I could push that hay back to the back of it. I couldn't get it piled up, but then when I got the lunch, I would push back there, and I, then he'd come up and throw it up on the mm -hmm. top of it, and we'd get the barn filled. And, and I asked him one day, uh, I said, who helps you when I don't come up here? And oh, he said, Cora. I said, Jim, you shouldn't have Corey up here in this hayloft. When you need help, you call me. <laughs> I was about six, seven years old. They'd tell that and laugh about that for a long time. <laughs> That's about me telling him that he had no to have Corey up there in that hayloft. <laughs> well, did you ever have to go to school? Hmm? Didn't, didn't you ever have to go to school? Oh, yeah. We'd that'd be on Saturday, Jenny, when seemed like Mr. Mayor Jenny put hay in the barn, but I went up several times and, and helped him put, put hay in the barn. She always wanted to keep me busy doing something. Might not be any more than take a slice of bread and go up and feed the fish. And That fish didn't come get that bread, but she exercised me that much by going to the pond and Palm was up there right east of where your house is now. And we lived down where Dr. Armand lived, so that gave me a little more exercise. How old were you when you started school? How old? Oh, we didn't go then until we were six years old. We had to be six years old before we could, before we'd go to school. And our school was over on a mile east there on the hill where we called us Schoolhouse Hill now, and we gang up there and the kids that come from from all around the neighborhood. There's Jenny about 22 of us. Seemed like it just run around 22, and they was all the way from the first to the eighth grade, and one one teacher, and the teachers were generally just some girl out of high school that that didn't know any more about teaching than. <laughs> than anything. Is that over at Ridge Road? Is that on Ridge Road over there? Is that where that is? High no, Hill? Just a mile east there where, where it goes south there to Emmett Irby's. There on that corner is where oh. the schoolhouse was. But then after I was long about that age, I kept hearing that about an Indian graves over there at the, on the Ridge Road. 
uh, Easter hoofs. And they used to talk about the Indian Grays. And then someone told us that, oh, them wasn't Indian Grays. I can remember a rail fence around these place mound here was about room for two graves. And then we learned that some old-timer told us that that some people traveling through the country in covered wagons and and two of them died right there right there close to the ridge road and that's where they was buried and not too many years ago you could still see them mounds down that little ridge uh, there from the ridge road so wasn't there also a couple places that had a, a civil war battle that they had some graves around here? Some graves, too. Civil War? Oh, yeah, they was, they was several. My, uh, my great-grandfather is buried down there south and west of Westfield. He was killed by some of the people from, from up to Buckland. See, right through here was, uh, was the dividing line from the north to the south about the county line. Buckland was from the north and Westfield was was called south. And they was always into it. And they was a bunch from Buckland went down there and killed several of them around Westfield and and most of them was were just staying home tend to their own business. They wasn't in even in the war. My great grandpa wasn't in the war. He was making sorghum when they went down there and killed him. And, and then when they said when the, some of the young men come home then from the war, why, they went to Buckland and killed a bunch of them. Some of them run off and they just took off across Anderson's field and said they never did come home again. <laughs> and they went, they thought they went to Montana and Wyoming and up in that country. And they never did come back. And I've heard my mother say that that one old fellow up there, uh, he was in the end of that, and he hid in the in the cellar. Just had an outdoor cellar like to keep fruit in. He hid in that cellar for a long time, and they'd see see his family taking food down there. And I told Mama, why didn't they go up there and kill him? Why, she said they thought they were doing him, punishing him more, but just letting him live in that cave that, and it would be to go kill him. So it was, it was a pretty rough time. We were talking about that over here at the church here two or three years ago when a fellow from way off up north somewhere had moved down here and they were talking about that and he said, well, why didn't they call the law? And some of them said, well, there wasn't no law. That was, that was war. There wasn't nobody. You couldn't call no law because there wasn't no law. And then I got married then. And the first, and the first in 42. That's a long time ago, wasn't it? Yeah. That's before you can remember. <laughs> I went to the army and was there three and a half years. And then I come back. 
started farming and raised two fine boys. One of them's your dad. What'd you do after your mom died? Well, we stayed there. My brother was there with me, and we uh, we stayed there and took care of the farm. I had a stepdad there from the time I was about five years old, and then I had a half sister that was eight years younger than I was, and then he took a little sister and went back to Oklahoma. We kind of divided up the farm, and and later when I went up and my uncle wanted me to come and stay with him. So I went up there and stayed there until I was about 21, 22, and farmed and worked whatever we wanted to do. So then I, in 39 then, why I got a chance to go to California, so I went to California and worked at a lumber mill for a while. Well, that fall was there, shut down pretty much, and I come back, and then I went back out the next spring then and worked worked another summer out there. So that's when I come back then and got married and went to the went to the army. Did you get Did you get drafted or did you or enlisted? I drafted. I didn't volunteer for anything. <laughs> I don't believe much in that. You volunteer, you're asking for it. And back, back even before I even knew anything about it, well, my grandpa was still living. He, he was my machine man, they called him. He had lots of land and he had a thrash machine. And the thrash machine would pull itself, but my uncle said it had to put a tongue in it and put a team on it then to, to guide it, to move it from one job to the other. That's a lot of different from the combines your dad holds now, isn't it? But that was that's the way they had a the way they had a thrashing. And we farmed in when I was a boy and well even Lots of people, and everybody did for them. They farmed with horses. They plowed the ground with most of them with a walking plow, and had a little disc about five blades on the side, and that's what they worked them down with. We had a ten-foot harrow to smooth it down, and, and then the planter plant two rows at a time with horses. And that's cultivated then with a cultivator, kind of like we got out here, this an antique. That's, that was our cultivator. Shucked her corn by hand. How big were most of the farms back then? How big are farms? All oh, these allowed to be any size. Grandpa's farm was, Grandpa Glover's farm was, was 40 acres. We had 250 acres up here. Took in quite a bit of this this land around here. How much did uh, Grandpa McCausland have? Oh, it was uh, he had it all. He was he was the boss. 
he 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 bossed them all. But he he owned all the land, and then he gave all the kids a, a farm apiece. He might have this this 250 acres, and one uncle got uh, got the place up there where Noise lives. Then they had some more forties that went with that. And then the other uncle had this place up here, the old home place we called it, and then this place that Harrison's got, he got that. I really don't know how he ever got prosperous enough to get all that land because they didn't have marijuana then, so I don't know what he was what he was selling to get a hold of so much so much land. Marijuana was legal back then anyway, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. That's people. And when they, uh, I don't know if you ever told you not, but when they, when Grandpa McCausland come to this country, he come from back there on the line between Ohio and Pennsylvania. Part of the family lived on one side, I think, and the other on the other, the way it sounded. And when he come here then, well, I think he had the two boys and a covered wagon and a team of oxen. And that's, that's the way they came from to here. Was, uh, was it already settled? Was the land around here already settled? Or? Oh, not much. Yep, it wasn't. A lot of it was pretty open. And of course, this was all counted as Buckland, Buckland territory. At that time, that is the only, only town that was even already started. Wasn't no Marceline or Westfield's a real old place. It's it's as old as Buckland, I guess. And there used to be a lot of a lot of stores and blacksmith shops and, and furniture store, doctors. Undertaker down there. Now it's see what it looks like now. <coughs> my, uh, my grandmother had some brothers and sisters that when they come here, I guess back this country before before my grandpa come here a few years, and they settled up here in Green Castle. That country's up there's got a lot of them folks up there yet that I don't even know who they are. And then I, I started to, when I got back in the Army, I started to farming and it wasn't, a, I bought my first tractor and it's still down to your place. 48 and 46. <laughs> Every kid in the country learned how to drive a tractor on it, I think. All the way from my nephews and the neighbor boys. Turn on down to you. Yeah. 